Amen. Thank you, Brother Danny. Amen. Thank you, Miss Jen. Appreciate those that prepare and sing for us. I tell you what, the Lord can get us through our storm. Matter of fact, he's the only one that can get us through our storm. Amen. Thank the Lord for that. It is good to be in the Lord's house this morning. We're going to be in Psalm 19. Psalm 19 is where we'll be looking at this morning, be looking at the subject of the reality of God, the reality of God. I was recently asked the question, and the question that I was asked is a question that I feel everyone in here at some point or other in your life has asked this question. And some of you may have only thought about it or considered it once or twice. Uh, some of you may still ponder this question from time to time. This is a question that I believe anyone who encounters God or anyone who is made aware of God will ask this question. This is a question that oftentimes will crop up in times of discouragement, in times when things aren't going well, in times of hardship. This question is a question that will crop up. It is a question that many people ask in their minds when they are on the balances of whether or not will they accept Christ, they will ask this question. And the question that I was asked recently that I believe is true of all these things that I've said is this question, how do we know that the God of the Bible is the true God? How do we know that the God of the Bible is the true God? You say, now hang on a minute, Pastor John. I've never wondered about that. I imagine if you take time and you remember and you think back, there has been times in your life, in times of doubt, in low places in your life, maybe in times when you were making difficult decisions based on the Word of God that was going contrary to what man said you ought to go or ought to do. There have been times that in the quietness of your mind, you may have never voiced it, you have asked yourself, how do I know that the God of the Bible is the true and living God? How can I be confident that this God that I am putting my faith in is the true God? I have been asked multiple times, this is not the first time I've been asked this question, I have been asked multiple times, how do you know that the God that you believe in is the true God? How do you know that the Bible that you believe in is something that you can put your faith on? How do you know that? You see, because as people, we like tangible things. We like things that we can see. We like things that we can touch. We like things that we can understand through our senses. That is what we like. That is what we enjoy. And so whenever we come to the fact of believing something by faith, it goes against our nature. Whenever we have to accept something simply because it is so and we don't feel like we have any tangible proof, there are times that we will question how do I know that this is true? This is a question that the devil has brought up in the minds of men from the beginning of time. The devil came to Adam and Eve in the garden and although he did not question God's existence, he told Adam and Eve that they could also be gods. And in doing so, he was tearing down the preeminence and the sovereignty of the true God. We go along a little bit further and we found at the building of the Tower of Babel 
these men were endeavoring to make themselves equal to God. We go along a little bit farther and we find out that the children of Israel went down to the land of Egypt and there in the land of Egypt they were introduced to all the gods that the Egyptians served. They left the land of Egypt and they were journeying through the wilderness and they came to a place where they began to doubt the God that they served and so they built themselves a golden image that they could worship because they began to wonder is God the true God? And we can go all throughout time and we can see that men have always questioned the reality of God. Even Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, went to his grave in defeat because in his old age his heart turned from the true and living God. This is a question that has plagued mankind for centuries. This question is not new, but this question is constant. Uh, this question will come up over and over and over again. How do I know that the God of the Bible is the true God? Is there any evidence that this God is the true God. Now the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter number 11 verse number 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So the basis of our belief in God is faith. And the Bible also says there in Hebrews chapter number 11 that without faith it is impossible to please Him. So if you are going to base your relationship on God strictly on tangible evidence, the Bible says you're not going to be pleasing unto God because the basis of our relationship with God must be that we are willing to believe Him for who He is. We must be willing to accept what He says about Himself. We must be willing to put our faith in Him. But there is tangible evidence that the God of the Bible is the true God. And this morning, I want to take a few moments to present to you three evidences. This is a simple sermon, three points. I don't have a poem, but you know, three points and that's it. But three evidences that of the reality of God. And hopefully with this message, we will answer any nagging doubts you may have and we will equip you to answer this question when those who do, know, do not know God or those who are in doubt of God ask you, how do I know that He's real God? Here will be three tangible evidences that you can point them to that I believe prove the reality of God. Our God. So let's look in Psalm 19. We are going to read all 14 verses. It's something I don't tend to do, uh, but it all goes with the message. And so y'all stay with me as we read this passage of Scripture. The Bible says, if you read the heading there, it says, To the chief musician, a psalm of David. I enjoy reading those sometimes because that is part of the inspired Word of God. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom cometh out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. 
His going forth, speaking of the sun, is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you that, Father, you are the true and living God. I thank you, dear Father, that although we do have these tangible evidences, Father, I thank you that I have the witness of your Spirit indwelling me. And, Father, Lord, I know without a doubt that you are the true and living God. I thank you, dear Father, that I'm able to have a relationship with you. But, Lord, I know that one thing that the devil likes to use to keep people from putting their trust in you, and, Lord, something he likes to use to keep people from being faithful to you is Lord he likes to raise this question how do we know that you are the true and living God so Father this morning we're going to take a few minutes and look into your word and Father I pray that you will take your word and Father Lord that you will clear any doubt and Father Lord that we will be able to exalt you we will be able to promote you we will be able to glorify you we will be able to amplify you and Father Lord shine a light upon you so that there is no longer any doubt as to who you are and that Father folks will recognize that if there is anyone that they can put their faith in if there is anyone that is worthy of trusting that, Father, it is you. And, Father, I pray you will take the message this morning. Use it, Lord, to work in our hearts. And, Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Here in Psalm 19, David refers to three tangible, visible evidences of the reality of our God. And so we're going to take a few minutes this morning to look at each of them. The first thing that we see that is a tangible evidence of the reality of God is the observable evidence of creation. The observable evidence of creation. David said in Psalm 19 in verse number 1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. The creation is observable evidence of the reality of God. Romans chapter number 1 and verse number 20 says, for the invisible things of him, the things that we can't see about God, the things that we can't touch, the things that we can't grasp, the invisible things of God, the Bible says in Romans 1.20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. You say, I don't know if I can put my trust in God because I cannot see Him. I do not know if I can put my faith in God because I have no evidence that I can see. The Bible says in Romans 1 and verse number 20, for the invisible things, the things that you cannot see, the things that keep you from wanting to put your trust in Him, the invisible things of God are clearly seen in His 
creation. There is observable evidence of the reality of God in His creation. It goes on in Romans 1.20. It says, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood. We understand God. Being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. And then verse number 20 finishes with this phrase, so that they are without excuse. The evidence of the reality of God is so plain and so evident in our creation that the Bible says if you live on this earth in God's creation and you do not accept Him, you have no excuse. There is no excuse for you because this world is so clearly evident that there is a God. They are without excuse. The Bible says in Psalm 8 verse 3 and 4, When I consider thy heavens the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that thou visitest him? This earth on which we live is filled with the evidence of a creator. His stamp is on every single part of this world. There is evidence of him from the giant whales in the ocean that feed on microscopic plankton to the DNA that identifies each individual uniquely to the fingerprints that no two are the same to the snowflakes that never match to the rings in the tree to every single thing that you want to look at on this earth the stamp of God is on it. A couple of days ago, I was, I was getting something, and when I reached down to get it, I was, I was picking a, a leaf or something up out of a dish that was on the porch, and I reached down to get it, and on the side, I seen a black speck. Now, I, I do wear glasses. My eyes aren't as sharp as they once were. But on the side of that dish was a black speck. It looked like a little bitty piece of dirt. And when I reached in to get the leaf out of the dish, the black speck took flight and flew away. And I stopped and thought, now how amazing is this? That to me, it is just a dot, a black dot. But inside of that black dot, there are wings, there are muscles, there is a visual capacity, there are senses, uh, apparently there are legs, uh, there is a means of mobility, uh, uh, there is a means uh, of direction. Uh, this little bitty dot uh, is as finely tuned uh, a piece of creation uh, as the inner workings uh, of my own body. Uh, it doesn't matter from the most minute uh, even to things that our eyes cannot see uh, to the largest thing that exists on this earth. Uh, everything all on this earth has the stamp of God on it. There is no question but that someone is responsible for creating all of this. The stamp of God is on our creation. The detail of creation declares a creator. We are not the product of chance. This world is not the product of chance. We are the result of a creator. And you cannot look at this world and with a sound mind deny that we are the result of a creator. God has 
created it. This world is filled with details which can only be explained by intelligent design. Now the evolutionist, and we've been looking at Genesis on Wednesday night. I know people got busy schedules, and I know I'm only a mediocre teacher, but I'm telling you what, I encourage you to come on Wednesday nights. We are learning so much from God's Word out of the book of Genesis. But in looking at the book of Genesis, we spent some time looking at creation. As we was looking at creation, of course, we looked at the counterpart, which is evolution. And evolutionists like to teach that our world that we live in happened by chance. The evolutionists like to say that the world that we live in is the result of an explosion. And this explosion, that exploded matter that we don't know where it came from, but it exploded matter, and the explosion of this matter resulted in cells, and those cells developed and continued to develop, and the world continued to improve until we arrived where we are at today. Now, I have several problems with that. One problem that I have with that is in my lifetime, I have never encountered anything that got better with time. Everything deteriorates. Everything is going down. Even in our own human life, from the day that we are born, we are dying. Everything deteriorates with age. So the simple reasoning that the, the, this explosion resulted in sales that continued to improve until they reached where we are at is folly. There's no way that it can be true. Second thing, problem that I have, is to say that something was created by an explosion. I like blowing things up. I had them here at Wild Game Dinner a few years ago, but I had a fellow make me some thunder mugs. So they're the size of a coffee cup, a big coffee cup. They're about this big around. They're about this tall. They have an inch and a half bore in the center of them, and then they got a handle on the side so they look just like a coffee cup. You load that fellow with about three or 400 grains of black powder, stuff some aluminum foil on top of it. There's some bread. Bread works good. Just make a real nice tight seal. And then light that wick. I'm telling you what, Brother Lewis, it shakes the county when that thing goes off. And something I like to do is take and sit things on top of it. I was going to show them to somebody once. It may have been Brother Chris Montgomery. But I forget who it was, but I was showing off my thunder mugs. And we set grapefruits on top of the thunder mugs. I think that grapefruit is still falling from the sky. <laughs> I have never seen a grapefruit blow into that many pieces. What I'm going to say is we, nothing has ever been created by an explosion. It destroys. But even if it didn't, there still needs to be intelligent design to put the results of the explosion together. Hunter, would you mind helping me this morning? Can you come up here? I like Hunter. Hunter's my buddy. Hunter's a sharp fella too. If anybody can do this, Hunter can do it. So Hunter, I have something here. I apologize. We're going to make a mess. And we're going to leave this mess until I'm done preaching, so don't let it distract you too much, all right? Because I'm not going to pick it up. But maybe Hunter can pull off what the evolutionists did and it won't be a mess. 
All right, Hunter. Here I've got these are these are popsicle sticks. Whole pack of popsicle sticks. All right. I'm sure y'all have seen crafts done with popsicle sticks. You can build some really neat stuff out of popsicle sticks. Vacation Bible School. We're not going to use them this year, but I'm telling you what. Back when I was a kid, every Vacation Bible School had a church built out of popsicle sticks. I mean, that's just what you did with them. So, Hunter, what I want you to do is I want you to take this bag of popsicle sticks. I want you to come right here at the pulpit, right here dead center. All right, and whenever you're ready, I want you to just hold it up and dump it on the pulpit and make us a church. Now, don't touch them other than dumping them, all right? Make us one of them VBS churches, all right? Just dump them out there. No church. What would we have to do in order to make a church? We'd have to hook them all together. There would have to be a little bit of smarts in order to turn these sticks into a church. There is no way that an explosion in and of itself or an accident in and of itself or anything like that could result in what we see today. No, whenever you go to vacation Bible school at the end of the week and they hand in all them little popsicle stick churches out, you know what's written on the bottom of every one of them? I seen Miss Lila shaking her head when I said we all built one of them. On the bottom of that church it said, Delilah. Because we wanted to know that who built that church. Uh, they didn't say, well, these randomly appeared during craft time, so we're going to pass them out. No, we knew that although the paint wasn't good uh, and they really wasn't that great of craftsmanship and you could tell that these were built by five-year-olds, uh, that someone was involved in constructing it uh, and their name was on the bottom of it. In this world in which we live, there is absolutely no way that we have what we have without an intelligent creator. No way whatsoever. It is evident that someone had to be involved. You and I, in and of ourselves, when we look in the mirror, are evidence of the reality of a superior, supreme being. So whenever someone asks, how do I know that there is a God? How do I know that God is real? First, I point at the creation. But there's a second tangible evidence that we can point folks to. Not only can we point to His creation, the observable evidence of His creation, but we can also look at the recorded evidence of His Word. The recorded evidence of His Word. We see that David referred to the proof of God's Word in verse 7 down through verse number 11 of Psalm 19. But in verse number 7 specifically, he said, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. But catch this next phrase. He said, The test testimony of the Lord is sure. What does it do? It makes wise the simple. We have the evidence of God, tangible evidence of God in the recorded evidence of His Word. The testimony of the Lord. You know what the testimony is? The testimony is the record. It is the, re the, the record. It is the report. This is the testimony of the Lord. And the testimony of the Lord is sure and what does the testimony of the Lord do? It makes wise the simple. Those who are unsure if God is real or not. Those who are unsure who the true God is. Those who are unsure if they can put their faith in Him. If they look into the testimony of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord is sure and it will make wise the simple. It will settle the doubts. We have tangible evidence and the recorded evidence of His Word. Now, there are those 
who do not believe in God who will also say, well, I mean, how do I know that his book is real? I mean, I'm questioning whether or not he is real, and you're saying that his book is proof. How is his book proof? How's it prove anything? Because if he's not real, then his book's not real. Well, let me tell you a few things about this book that I believe will drive home the fact that this book is not just God's book, but it is evidence of the existence of God. First, it's important to remember that the Bible is not a single volume. Although it is sold in a single volume and the way that our printing presses have developed, we are able to sell this book as a single volume now. The Bible is not a single volume. Matter of fact, the Bible is 66 volumes. The Bible was written by over 40 authors and it spanned a period of 1,500 years. So this book that I'm holding right here was written over the course of 1,500 years. It was written by over 40 different men throughout that time period with a total of 66 books that are compiled into what we know and we use as the Word of God. And from Genesis to Revelation, it is in 100% complete, full agreement with itself. Now the other gods have their books too. But all of their books were written by one person. All of their books are the result of one man's harebrained idea. But this book is evidence that there is a God because his book was written by 40 different men over a period of 1,500 years, and yet it agrees 100% completely with itself from the beginning to the end. It is the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the record of God's dealing with man. It is the promise that he will send a redeemer. There is no other book on this earth that can do what this book does. There is no other book on earth that has that many authors. There is no other book on earth that has multiple authors that agrees with itself like this book does. There is no other book that has stood the test of time like this book has. There is no other book that has man has failed to destroy like they have failed to destroy this book. There has been whole nations set out campaigns to take the word of God and destroy it and get rid of it completely and yet it resurfaces over and over and over again and for thousands of years we have had this book and it's remained true and it's remained faithful. Why? Because this book is not just something that somebody wrote down but this book is evidence that there is a true and living God. We have the recorded evidence of His Word. This book explains our existence. It describes our Savior it explains our purpose. This book is the basis for our inner moral code. It is the explanation of our eternal mindset. It defines who we are, where we came from. It tells us what's going to happen after death. And there is no other book that explains it as clearly and as accurately and as thoroughly as the Word of God. It is recorded evidence that this, the God of the Bible is the true God. 
the Bible is the recorded evidence of our Creator. It is tangible proof that God has supplied to you and I so that you and I may know who He is. Why do we support ministries like Beacon of Truth who are printing Bibles and sending them all around the world? Because this book is the record that God provided to tell men about who He was. And when we get His Word into the hands of mankind, mankind begins to understand God and they begin to find out that He is the true and living God. When I'm asked how I know that the God of the Bible is the true God, first I point to the observable evidence of our creation. Second, I point to the recorded evidence of this Word. But then third, this morning, when asked, how do I know that the God of the Bible is the true God? There is a third tangible evidence that I can point to. And that is the physical evidence of His Son. The physical evidence of His Son. Now you may not believe in the Bible at all, but history records that Jesus Christ was a true person who truly lived. You can find plenty of other resources, plenty of other historical resources outside of the Word of God that verify that Jesus Christ of Nazareth was a real person. So if you say, I don't want to believe in God, I don't want to believe in your Bible, I, I don't want that, I can tell you that history promises, history records, history reveals that Jesus Christ of Nazareth was indeed a real person. We can't deny that. It would be foolish to deny something that is so historically grounded. So whenever we look at who Jesus was, I realize that Jesus is physical evidence that the God of the Bible is the true and living God. In verse number 14 of chapter 19, David speaks prophetically of the coming redemption of mankind. He says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. And we know that that redemption came through the sacrifice of the sinless, perfect Lamb of God. We can observe evidence of God in creation. We can read evidence of God in the Bible. But mankind has seen and interacted with a physical representative of the God of heaven in and through the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter number 1 and verse number 1, the Bible says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners... This just simply means at different times and in different ways. God who has sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. In days gone by, God revealed Himself through the prophets. In days gone by, God revealed Himself through miraculous acts of rolling back the Red Sea. He revealed Himself in powerful demonstrations of a fire by night and a cloud by day. He revealed Himself through prophecy saying that this kingdom would fall or this king would rise. God revealed Himself in divers manners, in sundry manners, in divers ways. God revealed Himself to mankind throughout time, but 
But in these last days, the author here looking back says in these last days, he's no longer speaking to us in the way that he did in the past because now he has revealed himself to us in his son Jesus Christ. The physical representation of God in flesh. How do I know that the God of the Bible is the true God? Because He is the only God that has came and dwelt among men. He is the only God that has lived and interacted with mankind. He is the only God who has given us a physical representation. The Bible here tells us in Hebrews that Jesus was a physical representation of the glory of God. He was a physical representation of the person of God. He was a physical representation of the power of God. He was and is physical evidence that the God of the Bible is the one and only true God. Whenever we look at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, we find that he kept the entire Old Testament law perfectly. We find that he fulfilled the prophecies concerning the Messiah. We find that he performed countless acts of compassion and public miracles. We see that three days after his crucifixion, he rose from the dead. And this is a fact that was confirmed by hundreds of eyewitnesses. Apostle Paul said this thing was not done in a corner. He evidenced through his physical body that there is a true and living God and he was the physical representative of that person. Whenever someone says to me, how do you know that our God is the true God? How do you know that the God of the Bible is the real God. How do you know that He's someone I can put my faith in? I want to say that there are three evidences that our God is the true God. We have the observable evidence of creation. We have the recorded evidence of His Word. And we have the physical evidence of His Son. We have far more evidence that our God is the true God than any other deity that man has ever tried to create. Our God is the true and living God. We may not be able to see Him physically now, but evidence abounds that our God is the true and living God. And this morning, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, there is a fourth evidence. The message I dealt with, the three evidences that is available to all. But if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, there's a fourth evidence. And I've got to say, it is the greatest evidence. And that fourth evidence is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. You hear people, you hear preachers talk about this. But if you've never experienced it, it seems kind of odd to you. And you sometimes wonder if the preacher or the Christian that's talking to you about this is a little bit loony. When they begin to talk about the Holy Spirit living on the inside. And they begin to talk about the Holy Spirit guiding me. And we talk about the Holy Spirit directing me. And we talk about the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And you're like, this fella is just a little bit off his rocker. He acts like he thinks there is really somebody else living on the inside of him. Well, you can think I'm crazy if you want to. But let me just bear witness this morning that the number one confirmation that I have that the God of heaven and the God of Bible is the true and living God. This is the confirmation when I put my faith 
faith and trust in him, he moved on the inside. This is not something hypothetical that I'm talking about. This is not something of a mysterious manner that I'm trying to reveal to you. No, I am telling you literally, honest to goodness, there is somebody else living inside of me. And it is evidence that God is real. It is evidence. I have the witness of the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of me and He directs me and He speaks to me and He talks to me and He works with me and He is as real as I am. Actually, He's more real than I am and He has moved on the inside and there is not a doubt in my mind that God is real. It's because He lives on the inside of me. I want to say to you this morning, if you're a Christian and you say, Pastor John... You, you say that you're a Christian and you say, Pastor John, I have no idea what you're talking about. I want to say maybe, perhaps, there's a chance that you're not a Christian. There's a good chance that you never put your faith and trust in Him because the Bible teaches very clearly that when you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit moves in on the inside of you and He will begin to work in your life. He will convict you of sin. He will make you aware of things you need to change in your life. He will direct you in how you ought to work and act and interact with people. He will be a part of you and it will be evidence to you that He is the true and living God. Now the Bible does teach us that we can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible teaches that we can quench the Holy Spirit of God. What does that mean? Well, see, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. And He speaks to me. And He offers me direction and guidance. But when I don't listen to Him, it grieves Him. In other words, it saddens Him that I won't listen to Him. And His direction lessens. The Bible also teaches that I can quench the Holy Spirit of God. If I continue to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, if he continues to speak to me and I continue to ignore him, the Bible says that I can quench him. Now whenever we think of the word quench, you have a fire, you douse it with water, you put the fire out. The fire is no longer of any benefit because it's been quenched. You can quench the Holy Spirit of God in such a way that you continue to ignore Him. You continue to not listen to Him. You continue to live life the way you want to rather than the way that God is directing you to. And you quench the Holy Spirit of God. You grieve the Holy Spirit of God enough times that He will stop speaking to you. And you will find yourself living life as a Christian without any inner guidance. I'll confess, I've been there. And it's a rotten place to live. So if you did have the witness of the Spirit, you say, Pastor John, I'm a Christian, and I did have the witness of the Spirit, but Pastor John, I don't have it anymore. I'm not trying to tell you that you've lost your salvation because your salvation don't depend on you, it depends on God. But what I am telling you is that you may have gotten such a habit of ignoring the Holy Spirit of God that He has quit talking to you. And what you need to do is come and rededicate your life to the Lord and say, I want to get back. I need the communication back. I need the Holy Spirit guiding me, directing me, helping me, talking to me. I want to say that we can see here that there is evidence. 
There is evidence that God is the true and living God. There is physical evidence in the creation, in His Word, and in His Son. And there is spiritual evidence in the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. This morning, I believe that this is a question that people ask oftentimes. How do I know that the God of the Bible is the true and living, the true God? I believe there is plenty of evidence that He is worthy of us putting our belief in Him. Plenty of evidence that He is the true and living God. I'm going to ask each of you to stand there where you are. I'm going to ask two questions this morning. First, I'm going to ask, have you trusted in the true and living God? Have you found Him worthy of putting your faith in Him? Or have you been hanging in the balances saying, I just don't know. How can I know that He's the true and living God? How can I know that I ought to put my faith in Him? Maybe that's where you're at. I want to say this morning, there is plenty of evidence that He is the true God. And the number one best thing that you can do is put your faith and trust in Him. The second thing that I want to ask this morning is Christians, how you been treating the leading of the Holy Spirit of God? Have you been submitted to His leadership? Have you been following His call? Have you been allowing Him to direct and guide your life? Or have you been getting in the habit of ignoring the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God and running in danger or maybe even perhaps already quenched the Holy Spirit of God? He is the true and living God. As Miss Debbie plays, if the Lord spoke to your heart, you come. in the Lord's house this morning. I pray that this sermon has been a blessing to you. I pray that it's give you some definite answers that you can give when someone asks you, how do you know that your God is the true God? There is definite evidence that He is the true and living God. Hopefully it's equipped you. I was at an airport in China, sitting at a lunch table and had a lady ask me that question. How do you know that the God you believe in is the true God? People wonder. How do we know we can trust in Him? Hopefully this message has given you the equipment you need that you can be the light that God wants us.